the latest episode of the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever you found it. Coming up, special guest Tim Joyner is going to tell us about being creative and a really famous artist and really good at what he does. We don't know anything about any of those things. Um, he's really, really cool. Tim is uh, Tim is an interesting guy, and uh, we'll find out a little bit about how his brain works. Uh, a little bit. It's a different place. <laughs> it definitely is. It doesn't work like mine. Without question. Uh, at all. So uh, we will get into that in just a little bit on the complete opposite side of the coin. As we sit here, end of August, staring down the barrel of fall football on the brain. Yeah, it's, it's hunting um, and football. We talked hunting last week, uh, uh, last pod, last episode of the podcast. And now, uh, football. That's yeah. the other side of my brain this time of year. Well, there's real college football happening. Uh, and it feels like an Onion article because it's Nebraska and Northwestern playing in Ireland. I don't know. I feel like we're just playing refrigerator magnet lyrics here at some point. But that is a thing that is going to happen. And so not far behind the college season is the pro season. And in Montana, that's as weird as it gets. Well, it's uh, – uh, I, I was, you know, here the fan bases are all over the map. Uh, Everywhere. You can find uh, people – you know, there are certain – Certain teams that have bigger followings than others. But overall, you could find that you don't know who you're talking to, what kind of a fan they are, no. what team, until you talk to them, and it could be anybody. And uh, like uh, as an example, according to, I think it was Lids, the uh, the athletic uh, apparel company, mm -hmm. nationwide company, they did um, a ranking of the most popular jersey by state for pro football players. And Kyle Pitts, the tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> was the most popular jersey in Montana, according to this thing. I still don't know if I believe that. I, I just, I've never seen a Kyle Pitts jersey in the state of Montana ever, and I don't know very many Atlanta Falcons fans. There's more this year than ever no. because of Troy Anderson being drafted right. by the Falcons. That makes sense. That would have made perfect sense. Yes. Kyle Pitts has, as near as I can tell, no connection whatsoever hmm. to the state of Montana. He went to the University of Florida. He was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He plays for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Stop me when I get anywhere near the Rocky Mountain West. <laughs> he's a hell of a player. Um, he's, he's an amazing talent and uh, just an absolute phenom. And if he's smart, he'll uh, change his title to wide receiver before his contract comes up because he's going to make a lot more money if he does that. But I, what? I don't know. I would have guessed a lot of different players before I would have ever got to Kyle Pitts, and I would have never got to Kyle Pitts. So I don't no. know what that stat was. But um, like you said, he could be any fans of any team in Montana. There are followings. The Denver Broncos, the closest teams geographically have their followings. You've got a lot of Denver fans in Montana. And Seahawks. And a lot of Seahawks fans in Montana. And, of course, the biggest fan base is in the NFL. you got a lot of Cowboys fans, a lot of Packers fans, a lot of Steelers fans. Outside of that, any other team could have fans here. Any any other team. To the point where at the gym, uh, it was a couple of months ago, I'm working out at the gym, guy comes up, and he's like, hey, man. And he's pointing and turn off my earbuds. I'm like, yeah? And he goes, I really like your shirt. And I look down, and I'm wearing a Lions shirt. Now, I'm from Detroit. Mm -hmm. I have to. And like the, the Lions are just assigned to you at birth. Okay? You don't choose it. Right. Nobody would. They've been terrible my entire lifetime. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, man, they're my team. I'm like, are you from there? He's like, no. No, man, I'm from here. I'm born and raised. I was like, <laughs> really? And he was younger than I was. 
That's a perfect example of uh, the kind of the retort that I have against a lot of people who will sometimes a fan will tell you like, oh, you can't be a fan of the Packers. You're not even close to them. You got no connection. And I'll say, well, I'm lucky enough to not be connected to the crappy team down the street. <laughs> and so that goes both ways, though. This year, there's going to be a lot of Rams fans that are new. A lot of Rams fans. And, and it's for a couple of reasons. They won the Super Bowl. And anytime a team wins the Super Bowl, they gain a fan base all of a sudden. And also, there's a Bobcat player on that team who... It looks like, by all accounts, is probably going to make the roster, and that's uh, Lance McCutcheon from the Bobcats. What does Vegas do to this thing? Because Vegas now is the probably the third closest city, right? Mm-hmm. Seattle, Denver, Vegas. I think. Uh, oh, there's plenty of Raiders fans. Yeah, and the Raiders fans are omnipresent. They're yep. like Cowboy fans and Steeler fans and Packer fans. So they're omnipresent. But now they're close enough. You could drive there in a day. I've done it. Right. Uh, you could go down there to the to the Death Star and watch a game. Are, oh, they're know, gonna love that. Do they start? Do they start popping up in Montana in greater numbers? Are you creating a generation of Raider fans? They still have those red uniforms, and they're still gonna they're gonna buy the the Devonte Adams jerseys this year. They got an exciting new player added to the team, and so does that gonna, hurt yeah. when you say that? Does, uh, does it hurt when you say it that might later. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna put them on your fantasy roster? <laughs> Oh, jeez, yes. <laughs> I would absolutely do that. He's going to catch a million touchdowns. <laughs> 100%. He's, he's going to be doing it from his college roommate, but he's going to be catching a million touchdowns. Yeah, it might hurt later on. We'll see. Uh, well, I can tell you, as somebody who watched his quarterback win a Super Bowl in another city, <laughs> it sucks. It's a mixed bag. Oh, no, it just pure suck. <laughs> Cost the Lions a draft pick and a bunch of other stuff, and he had to go win the whole thing his first year. I got to listen to Dan Orlovsky yeah. tug on his case for another 12 months Ugh. well this is a football season it's got a and a lot happening locally the yeah. the two teams uh, fan bases we, we mentioned as being the closest had a quarterback jump from one to the other yeah so those broncos fans and seahawks fans are going to run into each other yeah. in places in montana yeah they're going to run into each other in week one probably wearing the same jersey as a matter of fact some of yeah. those old uh those old seahawks <laughs> fans are going to be wearing russell wilson jerseys still and they're going to run into a broncos wilson jersey going to be a lot of number threes by the way the most russell wilson thing possible and i i was i was in seattle at espn when he won his super bowl in the following year i was down there in phoenix when they lost on that last second uh toss with the Patriots. Mm -hmm. um, the most Russell Wilson thing possible, he showed up for the opening day of training camp <laughs> in the Rocks Monster F-150 yeah, wearing his own retro jersey. <laughs> like, we can have a whole conversation about whether or not grown men should ever wear a jersey from their favorite team, okay? There are some places where I think it's okay. I think for the most part, if you wait every year and you run out and like buy the new draft pick jersey or whatever, and then, okay, I don't know about that. And uh, to hell with you if you tuck them in, by the way. I'm done with you. Oh, I, yeah, I, you I, can't do that. I have zero use for somebody no. that's a jersey tucker. But can you wear your own jersey when you're not playing? But that's the, <laughs> like, that's the ultimate to the people who do say, so you're at the sports bar. You don't play for him? Well, then I can't right. say that to Russell Wilson. He does. That's right. his jersey. Which is why he shouldn't be wearing it. Like, yeah. he can't. Is, was he worried about getting a speeding ticket? So he just in case they don't know him in Denver yet. Like, oh, I'm Russell Wilson. Well, it says so here on your shirt, sir. You're free to go. <laughs> You're the ninth that's, Russell Wilson that's tried to get past security today. It's going to be a weird one there because we do. We, I think in Montana, you've got – they're the ones that get the local coverage. Yeah. Uh, you said now as a kid growing oh. up in Montana that the Packer games were on TV – well, barely. So you saw a few. I barely saw the Packers, but the Broncos teams were on every single week. They're so that's on every why week. I hated the Broncos. I didn't want to watch Broncos anymore, and they were on every week. And now you've got um, Seattle and Denver trading 
Russell Wilson, and yeah. and they play week one. Oh, boy. Yeah, in Seattle. Russell oh, Wilson boy. goes back just to rub that half-lit cigarette into your eye if you're a Seahawks fan because you're going to be watching. Oh, he's going to kill him, too. Maybe maybe Drew Locke. Oh. Maybe. Ugly. Yeah. Seahawks fans are going to have a rough year. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's It's <laughs> going to be it's going to be bad. The best thing I can um, tell the Seahawks fans, though, in that first game is, you know that thing that Russell Wilson does where once in a while he just hucks it in the end zone without looking and they intercept <laughs> right. it? You're going to actually like that now. That'll be something that you actually like about him. Unless your secondary can't catch that pass either. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's Geno Smith and Drew Locke and uh, Pete Carroll, the coach in Seattle, saying he might play them both. What are the chances DK Metcalf tries to jump on that Bronco bus when it leaves? I'll tell you what. <laughs> I had my doubts about whether or not DK Metcalf would sign a deal. He had a chance to go through minicamp and see both these guys throw footballs and go, oh, I don't need this in my life. He's going to be mad all the time. All the time. Yeah. Which might be the best news for Seahawks fans because a pissed off DK Metcalf is a good DK Metcalf. You want him good and angry uh, because he can take over a game if anyone, I don't care who, can get him the ball. And that very definitely remains to be seen. Well, that'll be a big game in Montana. It'll be a big game in a lot of places, but especially here with those fan bases in Montana, and there's plenty of them still. Now, the other question I have, and this is a legitimate question, and people are going to think I'm blowing my own horn here. Does Hard Knocks bring around? Because I've seen a lot of people coming around to the Lions because mm-hmm. they, they want to like them because it's an underdog story. It's a little bit like making fun of the kid who you know, came from the poverty neighborhood you can't really make fun of him it's not his fault uh the lions have just been a hard luck piece of garbage franchise for so long they can roll out all the stats the last playoff win no championships and the winning percentage and everything is trash and matthew stafford leaves and immediately get to ring mm-hmm. uh, which everybody said well what would happen if barry played for the cowboys he would have won a million games that's what would have happened <laughs> if calvin johnson could have gotten traded to yeah. any team that was ready to contend calvin johnson would have caught a million passes in the end zone he did that anyway, even for that garbage franchise. But does it make you? Does it bring some people around? I can, I, I would have to say yes. Um, one of the things I don't like watching about those insider shows, there's Hard Knocks and there's All for One on uh, Netflix uh, or Amazon. It's an Amazon series. And one of the things I don't like watching about them is you suddenly like some of those people, and you might even like the team kind of pull for them a little bit in certain games when you're watching during the series and then you're like wait i hate this team or i don't like this team i watched an entire um all for one series about the arizona cardinals and i was like bruce Harris right. was really cool some of the players i mean larry fitzgerald you can't hate that guy and you end up going this isn't my team i don't want to watch this i don't want to like these guys and i think the lions are definitely going to get some of that yeah well i hope so it's a little weird to be fashionable I'm a Lions fan. Well, and they're an underdog. Well, they're not threatening to anybody. Well, and that's, that's so that will bring the fans in. It's always been a part of the problem, and I say this, uh, and I've said this to you before. There's a difference between Packer fans from Wisconsin and Packer fans from anywhere other than Wisconsin, because mm-hmm. Packer fans that aren't from Wisconsin act like Bears fans from everywhere. <laughs> Bears fans are jerks. <laughs> Packer fans from Wisconsin are the sweetest people. <laughs> they're wonderful. And it hurt my heart so much to see them come my whole life. They come to the Silverdome. They come to Ford Field. They have zero fear of your team. None. They don't care. They're like, here, have a brat and a beer. This is probably going to be a bad day for you. And so we want you to at least have some food and some of our hospitality. You're in my town. Yeah, well, eat anyway. Um, they, they're they wonderful. And that that lack of fear, that lack of any concern from an opposing fan base is the worst. Yeah. Well, that's the worst. And you see, 
you can see that here in Montana, you have this unique vantage point because there are fans of every team, which is a weird thing because I've not I've I've lived a lot of places everywhere I've ever lived. There was a team that was dominant, even if it was the college team. When I lived in Omaha, it was the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They were the pro team, even though they're not a pro team. Everybody rallied around that particular logo, those particular colors. Mm-hmm. And here, you could go out and run into somebody who's a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Uh, you could. You might be. You know, I mean, there might be many. So be, be, I have a friend so who's confusing. a Bengals fan. I have a friend who's a who's a, a Lions fan. I have a friend who's a Cleveland Browns fan. They're all over the place. Oh. It's just a random sampling. By the way, pour one out for those Cleveland Browns fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're not just that spilling a pot of chili meme of a team... Good Lord. Could you have a more embarrassing offseason? It's one thing to make a bad personnel move. It's another thing to make the worst personnel move of all time, and it's going to affect you for years to come, and you know it. And then give that guy the biggest contract in the history of ever. Yeah. You, what were you doing? Uh, and guess what? Just like Seattle and Denver, you know who the Cleveland Browns play in week one? Baker Mayfield. Yep, yep. It's all the drama. Carolina, there's no drama. Yeah. Carolina's going to walk in there and be a bad team and still beat the Browns. By the way, do the uh, do the masseuses in uh, Texas count against their salary cap? Because that's where a lot of that money's going to be going. <laughs> it's going to be all, all through lawsuits. It's just going to all be filtered from the Cleveland Browns directly down to Texas. They wrote that into his contract. <laughs> they wrote the fact that he had to have team-approved masseuses. You know it's well, going to yeah. be some 265-pound Latvian guy <laughs> named Vlad. Like, uh, <laughs> he's going to be there to work out the kinks. Like, yeah, this thing can be like it was in Houston, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I don't know. There's a, there's so much fun, and, and all the fan bases get into it here. It's kind of – it's an interesting environment to be mm-hmm. in Montana for the pro football season because the NFL is king no matter where you are in this country. Uh, everybody watches it. Everybody knows about it. That's why I ask about hard knocks because people will watch on hard knocks. They'll watch a team they have zero interest or knowledge of. You still get to know the personalities. You still become attracted to, you know, some aspect of the team. You learn some stuff. I learned, in fact, the, the most recent episode, episode three, I learned that the Indianapolis Colts essentially uh, practice uh, their whole training camp at the Field of Dreams. Oh. You you walk down a blue carpet through a forest. Really? Through the woods. Hmm. And then emerge in the middle of nowhere, like the rest of Indiana, by the way. Wow. You just emerge into this beautiful practice facility. It's amazing. All I learned from Hard, uh, Hard Knocks, uh, the, the Lions version, is that uh, Lions fans do have, against the Packers, the best kids football argument you could ever have. Because kids will do this, and you guys could do it. You could say, our coach can beat up your coach. That's all I know, because uh, the, the, the the Packers coach is an Abercrombie and Fitch employee. Uh, and our, our guy's winning that arm, arm wrestling contest. <laughs> and the Lions yeah. coach played Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. He still looks so <laughs> jacked. His head's made of concrete, it's, and he's willing to throw it through you. And apparently he just does shoulder presses all day long when he's not at practice, because he looks like he could play. <laughs> oh, yeah, he could. Uh, I was thinking about this because I'm watching Hard Knocks. I think Mike Rabel in Tennessee, he'd be the only coach going right now that isn't just going to have his ass handed to him by Dan Campbell. Yeah. Dan Campbell's at 6'5", 265. Who's the guy that went from the Niners? Isn't he coaching the – Is he co- who's he coaching now? Shanahan? No, the defensive coordinator with the bald head. The, the, oh, yeah. That, guy, that uh, guy's pretty with, tough looking with too. With the Jets. Right. Um, no. <laughs> it's a lot. No, yeah. No, Robert – no. no. Um, that is, and he's a Detroiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's from the city. Uh, he is not. No. Well, I'm just trying to come up with something close. Well, that's just it. And the only one I could come up with was Vrabel, and I think Vrabel ultimately loses. 
Um, oh yeah, but absolutely. Because yeah, I mean, everybody. They had a comedian in on the latest episode of Hard Knocks. He's like, "Matt, your coach? Why is he so damn big?" <laughs> <laughs> he's just a monster of a dude. He and is, he, and he's entertaining. And that's all you have when you're a Lions fan. And you, if you're a Lions fan in Montana, you feel the pain. Uh, because right now it's a lot of fun and everybody's jokey, jokey, jokey. And then if they go out and the Eagles pull their pants down and beat them by 35 in their own field, you're like, oh, we're still lines. One thing you should do, though, and I know you have not done this and I know you don't do it uh, at all, but you really should, is you should go to one of the places that shows all the games just to see the atmosphere of what it's like when all these people, like a sports bar atmosphere. Because then it is every team, it's teams, people yeah. cheering for each TV with plays. And I've seen that. Your head spinning around trying to pick up what happened because different fan bases are watching different games. Yeah. Well, I had that in Omaha because it's the same thing, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of different, there was a, a, a big chunk of Vikings fans, a big chunk of Chiefs fans, but it was a little hodgepodge of everybody. Mm-hmm. But they were all tired on Sunday. Yeah, right. Because they'd spent Saturday power drinking their way through a Husker game, <laughs> starting with a five-hour tailgate, and then the game. Selling a lot of Bloody Marys. A lot of all of them. <laughs> yeah, so they were a little uh, a little less enthusiastic on Sundays than maybe they were on the day before. So that, again, that owes itself to that place in the world. Well, we're not far away from it. I'm excited. Oh, boy. All right, with that said, it's time to get to our guest, artist Tim Joyner to the show. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I wonder if somebody introduces you as the Andy Warhol of Western art. Are you like, oh, please don't say that? Or do you lean into it, Campbell's soup can in hand, and say, yes, sir, that's me? You know, originally I was sort of like, oh, no, don't do that. But uh, the more I look at uh, Warhol and pop art, he, I was always a fan of his anyway. But uh, I guess I'm, I'm kind of pop art if you look at Western that way. Well, it's certainly high praise. I mean, Andy Warhol is a person that even non-artists and non-art fans know. I mean, they know who the man is. Yeah. And Tim is uh, definitely the the uh, the comparison ends when you see them. Andy Warhol <laughs> and Tim Joyner are two different people because Andy Warhol looks like Andy Warhol, New York, kind of that uh, the little little kind of the fringe element there. And uh, Tim is a Montana guy, no doubt about it. You will you'll recognize him as a Montana guy when you see him, and uh, that is where the I think uh, comparison ends. But but Tim, these pieces you do, I think that's where the uh, the Andy Warhol thing comes in. When did you first hear that? Well, a, a good friend of mine who's also a, an artist, uh, Chip Jones, he started calling me that. Oh, I don't know, three or four years ago, he sort of gave me the moniker and and uh, sort of stuck there. But anyway, yeah, that that's probably about well, when. But uh, I've been doing little different stuff for quite a while, so. Yeah, you know, Tim, uh, your your imagination, uh, and we're going to get into some of these pieces and talk about that, but uh, the, your imagination, I think, is is uh, one of your trademarks uh, of your art as you as you see more and more Tim Joyner art, uh, whether it be paintings or or, uh, or sculpting or any of the uh, the things you do. It's never just a, a straightforward reproduction of anything. It's never just a landscape. It's always, it seems like there's always a twist to it. Um, when did you start out with uh, something a little bit different in your creations? Boy, um, you know, I was inspired from high school. I uh, always felt like I wasn't the most talented kid in the art room. Some of the other guys sometimes pulled something out like that that was a little different. And I was like, man, I wish I, you know, wish I had that. And uh, maybe I just imagined a little harder. Um, I know lately things come to me. I don't sleep very well. And... Uh, <laughs> I wake up with these ideas and uh, no idea where they actually came from. Um, but I, I find that setting yourself apart gets you noticed more. And I certainly like 
doing the different things more. Well, and Tim, take a step back even further. You know, take guts to pursue a career in art and and to let that kind of creativity drive your process when so many others among us would just assume get a regular nine to five and kind of put that on a shelf. How did that process go for you? Well, originally, um, I was a teacher in Cutbank, Montana, and uh, I had a pretty good following there. I, I had quite a bit of art I was putting out and, and uh, things were going pretty well because I had the teaching salary. And then uh, we moved over here to Hamilton a little more than 20 years ago. And um, I took on being a stay-at-home dad because uh, there was no jobs. So uh, I had a little two and a four-year-old kids running around the yard with a basset hound and thought, well, maybe I can get a little bit of painting in while they're fenced in. That's sort of where I started off just doing my my you know trial by fire, um, be an artist and not have anything else to fall back on because uh, I didn't really have anything. So now we're going to get into some of your um, your pieces, which uh, I think the signature pieces. Uh, if you you know if people are listening and don't don't immediately recognize the the Tim Joyner name, I guarantee there are pieces out there that you've seen, especially people who live in the state of Montana. But the uh, the the your new signature pieces are these uh, these big giant. Um, well, you've got one with a with a bar room full of uh, uh, horror movie stars. You've got another one with a bar room full of old western stars. You've got one with a bar room full of the villains from old westerns those are kind of your signature pieces that that are out there now when when was the first big piece that you had that just suddenly brought in a bunch more attention than you thought what was that piece that was the catalyst for that you know that really brought stuff in that was popular like that i i did a piece uh called bad man's bar this was a uh, no 2012 ish somewhere in there and and uh it was 10 real bad villains from Western movies and uh, had a lot of fun with it. It's pretty well received. Uh, but I always, in the back of my mind, imagined Jaws on the wall and Nurse Ratched and all the things that are kind of in that terrible tavern one. Um, so I was really striving to, you know, complete a, a bigger scene with, you know, actors from all over the place. Um, and so probably the terrible tavern was really the one that kind of launched. Uh, but the most popular definitely is the Western saloon. Well, it's ambitious to do 10 portraits in one, like the terrible tavern. But when you end up doing many, many more than that, uh, like are in the, uh, the, the one with the Western stars, the one with the, uh, the horror movie people, uh, that right. that's gotta be quite an undertaking. How much time does it take you in, in total completion from mapping it out and starting out all the way to the finished product? What kind of time does it take to do one of those big saloon pieces? Uh, you know, with, with the mapping it out and the imagining and finding, you know, who I want and all that. It's, it's probably a good year. It's kind of interesting because as a, as a younger artist, as a kid, um, it was all about being done, you know, Hey, I got a piece done today, you know, only took me two days. And, and now it's all about making sure that everything's just how I want it. And, uh, I, I don't know, I've got this incredible patience to drag something out for a whole year. It, I, I know, you know, somewhere in there, I, I grew up and changed my patience level, I guess, at least did. Well, and you're not only working in that uh, on those on those mural pieces or those those composite pieces, but you're also doing giant murals and you do sculpture. Do you have a favorite medium? I'd say it's painting, uh, but I really do like sculpture. I just uh, painting, and especially the new ones I'm doing with with all the 
things involved. Um, I really enjoy that. It's it's a real love, but it's a labor of love. It's it's torture too. And, and with those murals, like I said, I, I think that everybody listening in Montana has definitely seen a Tim join a piece or or more. Oh, for sure. Um, and and many of these, Tim, I, I think you've uh, you've created. You know, art art is uh, sometimes much for yourself. Sometimes it's it's for uh, kind of the demand of the people and what you want to create. But you. Um, one of the pieces, a couple of things that come to mind are you did, and, and you'll, you, I want you to tell us how this uh, ended up with the end result, was when you created a Willie Nelson guitar that was basically a replica of Willie's signature trigger guitar, but also had a portrait of Willie Nelson on it, and you ended up having Willie uh, see that guitar. Kind of talk about the process of creating a piece like that and how you end up with putting it in front of Willie Nelson. Sure. Well, can I give you just a little bit longer version? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, well, so originally I put Merle on a guitar and painted it with my favorite songs. Uh, it's got his likeness, kind of a sepia tone look, you know, but Merle just has this expression on his face, you know, just it's definitely Merle and, and his whole vibe. And it's got an old train running down the tracks and a high line kind of scene in the background. Anyway, I, I was lucky enough to get that to a Merle concert and showed it to his son um, earlier in the day on a bus that was in our parking lot. And uh, anyway, son says, bring that to the to the show. We'll get dad to sign it. And so, of course, I'm excited, like uh, beyond belief. And so I take it to the show and ended up getting backstage and uh, on the bus. Got to meet Merle. He signed it. Um, I didn't get my picture with him, but I did get my his picture with the guitar. And so um, probably one of the biggest deals in my life because I love country music and art and I got to combine the two arguably the most famous musician ever you know in country music and anyway so that's the longer part uh, fast forward a couple years I was going to see Willie and I had done an old guitar with him on it and it's actually my dad's old guitar and I was able to um, get that from him and it looked it's looked similar to Trigger in uh, kind of the the way the guitar looked it's not the same exact brand uh but it followed uh the shape and size and all that so i i did some work on it and basically did a ballpoint sketch of willie on the guitar and i painted a hole in it everywhere where he has his signed by famous musicians and and people i uh put his songs on there sort of in the same areas and really made it look distressed and even uh went as far as to paint his little signature uh guitar holder coming off the bottom that's all painted um as well even snuck in a little verse underneath that that said something to the irs <laughs> uh, just 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 in case he ever got to see it and and so anyway i, I found out he was going to be in missoula at osprey park so i got there about an hour or so early before they let people come in anyway i got to the front thing and, and the newspaper got wind the Missoulian got wind that I was doing this and they did a front page article with picture of the guitar, uh, my story about Merle. And then, you know, this big question mark, will I get it signed by Willie? So I have that paper in my hand, even, you know, <laughs> um, just for fun. Anyway, they, I get to the venue and they would not let me bring the guitar. in. I'm like, Oh no. And Nope, you can't bring it in. Well, I worked on them forever and they wouldn't let me bring it. And I had to walk back to the my vehicle and put it in there. The rest of my friends and everybody showed up. We went into the concert and I continued to go talk to security people and ask them. And so finally, 
probably three quarters of the concert had gone by, I convinced someone to let me bring it in. And they, you know, shined the flashlight on it and said, yeah, it looks fine. And so I walked into the park with it. And I have this large friend who is about six, seven, 300 pounds. He sort of made our way up to the front for me, got right up in the very front row and got to show Willie why he was playing, you know, just kind of held my guitar out towards his. And he, uh, he never said it, but I could just tell by the looks he was giving me and all the stuff, you know, we were reading each other's minds and he gave me the, oh, that's really cool. And I gave him the, hey, you know, will you sign it with a Sharpie? And he gave me the other mental, you know, hey, after the concert sort of thing. And so anyway, the concert ended. He didn't, uh, he didn't sign anything else in the entire concert. Didn't talk to anybody. He was sort of kind of grumpy old Willie as he turned into in the later stages. Uh, anyway, but he, he motioned to a guy who brought the guitar up and he stared at it for a minute. And then he signed right where I wanted him to and handed it back and got on his bus. Do, so, you, do uh, you still have that? No, I sold it for like 50 bucks. <laughs> no, no. I'm, obviously, yes. I I have that and Merle and um, those, you know, those are going to my grave. I did tell my kids they should sell them as soon as I'm gone. But, you know, because they, they mean so much to me. But, yeah, no, they're they're my prized possessions. They, I'm sure. They hang on the wall in my little room upstairs, so. Now, Tim, uh, music and musicians are a recurring theme in a lot of your pieces. Do you play at all? You know, I do a little bit. I'm kind of a campfire. You know, I know three chords and fake a few others. But I get by, at least with the groups I hang with. You know, I don't I don't think I do too good on a stage anywhere. You know, certain campfire situations and around friends and stuff. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with it, so. Well, I think some of these, uh, you know, the figures are obviously from uh, from a fan's perspective. Now, you, you recently did your newest stuff. You've got a couple of things that you, I know, uh, uh, kind of unveiled at the at the latest uh, Art Week in Great Falls. And a couple of those are, one is kind of inspired by Yellowstone, and the other is, uh, is Tombstone. So uh, tell us a little bit about right. those pieces. Well, so the Yellowstone one uh, came first. You know, I'm a big fan of the show. And, of course, they... They film it about 15 miles away, at least the ranch scenes um, here in Darby. And I'm in Hamilton, so not very far, but super popular. The characters are just great. You know, it doesn't necessarily represent Montana the way we really are, but I, I kind of like, I don't know, the, the characters at least. But so, yeah, I have Rip with a big smile on his face. And I, I've done a number of different pictures with someone uh, having something in their glasses. So I like a sunglasses, you know, reflecting certain things. A lot of times it's fish, but I thought with something like Rip, I would, I always thought that scene with Beth in the horse trough was such a great scene. So that's what's reflecting in his glasses. And uh, it was a big hit. It went over well in the auction and uh, prints have gone pretty well. And a lot of people really like it. And of course, everyone loves the show. So Now, do you have to get permission from Yellowstone to recreate that particular thing? Well... Not according to uh, what I hear. Um, you know, it's all made up. You know, if I took an actual picture from their, you know, studio and painted it exactly like it was and then passed it off as mine, I believe I would get in trouble for that. Uh, but to recreate something where everything's really made up as like, like that, um, I believe also that legally as soon as you're painting something almost the act of painting something rather than selling a photograph removes it you know from copyright and you can talk talk a little bit about these tombstone playing cards because these are these are incredible sure. and there's so many tombstone fans 
Yeah, well, this was one of those uh, woke up in the morning ideas. And um, I don't know, you know, it's on TV about every day on some channel. And maybe I had seen it or something, but I woke up and I thought, I wonder if anyone ever made a deck of cards out of uh, the movie Tombstone. And I started kind of looking at the characters, who would go where. And, and so all of the characters from the movie um, are kings and queens and jacks and even jokers. And it, it pretty much fits just about every single main character that you see in the movie is one of those. And uh, they just lent themselves perfectly to the, you know, the idea of, of making these cards. And, you know, in, in order to make it a lot harder on myself, each card, if you turn it over, has a completely different view of the person, you know, doing it. They look similar, but a lot of them are holding their guns backwards or twirling their guns or, uh, you know, holding something else from the movie that, that matters. So instead of just, you know, doing a digital flip thing on all these and making it easy, every card is two likenesses and, and uh, really made it a whole lot more special. It was very hard, though, I have to say. It was very hard, but I finally got all my decks back that I ordered. They, you know, I got them from a company in Florida, so they are American-made in the USA, all that, but super high quality. It's just a really fun thing for me because how many other people have a deck of cards, you know? Is it hard? So, to sh is it hard for you to shut it off, Tim? Considering that you seem to you you draw inspiration from so many things, that, you know, whether it's television shows or movies or all of these pop culture characters. Uh, is there anything that you can just enjoy as a fan without your brain kicking in and starting to create something with it? Hmm, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I I do get some ideas. I I've, I've had some pretty good flopper ideas that didn't come out great. You know, things that. I still have 999 out of 1,000 prints on, you know, stuff like that. But for the most part, it's really stubbornness or courageousness or whatever. But every everything you kind of do as an artist, you, you sort of have to have uh, confidence in yourself right. and the piece. So if you're working on something and you get done and you're like, wow, no one's going to like that, <laughs> uh, I better put it out. It's it's very different. It's it's. Uh, the whole reason you did it is because you're hoping, you know, uh, although I guess there are some artists out there that maybe do stuff that they're trying to make people angry or piss them off or uh, do something, you know, to put people on edge. But I, I think the majority of people would rather uh, be liked. Well, I know that in Montana, you know, we have we have big Western art, uh, you know, uh, shows here. We have we have a lot of Western artists that are based in Montana. Uh, it also goes around this around the rest uh, the, the West. But have you seen any of the rise of interest in in your arts and in Western art in general over the, kind of the Montana rise? Uh, Montana's become quite a hot commodity, and I think Yellowstone has led to a lot of that. Uh, a lot of people moving here. A lot of interest in uh, anything Montana. Has that translated into the art world? Well, you know, when the when the pandemic started, I was pretty worried because I thought, for one, we're all cooped up inside. Uh, they were canceling art shows. Art shows is a real big thing for me um, as far as exposure and, and sales, too. Um, but so I was pretty lucky. I, I had a piece that kind of went crazy during the pandemic. A lot of my other stuff went very well. And I was just thinking, wow, how lucky am I? You know, and then when I talked to my other artist friends, they also had some of their best years. And so I don't know if it's just Montana in general or, you know, around the U.S. I think people refuse to be held down. And, and if, the, if they had to buy it online, 
they still got to buy it and see it. And But I, I do get people, as far as Montana stuff, I, even if I sell something else, it's not like the painting of Rip. They ask me about Yellowstone a lot of times. You know, is that anywhere near? They're talking about coming out someday. You know, we're going to drive across the country and come <laughs> see the ranch. And I don't have the heart to tell them. They probably won't be able to see it very close. Oh, I um, do. I, I, I can't wait to tell them that it's nothing like that. I try to discourage it at all costs. <laughs> yeah. We have actually but heard it, the same thing about people going over to visit the ranch just, you know, just for a, a right. trip on its own. Like, that's what they're here for. Right. But, uh, no, it, it's been, you know, surprisingly good. And I I feel very lucky. I, I've, I've made a pretty decent living out of doing this and, of course, had a lot of fun. And, you know, a lot of people ask, would you change things in your life and all these things? And I don't know. I had lots of things over my life that I think back and I'm like, well, then this wouldn't have happened, you know, right. this other thing. So. So I, I got to say, I, I feel pretty good about how things have gone, you know, uh, but I, I really do enjoy creating, but it, but it's, a, it's harder than it looks, it especially looks hard. the creative part. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it looks incredibly <laughs> difficult. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine Tim, what goes into some of this. And it occurs to me that it also comes with a certain amount of pressure. I mean, you're at a level where people obviously respect what you do, but then you move into something like, you know, the murals you've done in cut bank and now it's, it's no longer art for the art fan it's a part of a community um and that takes some that takes some onions to want to uh, undertake projects like that what goes into something like that well i did a couple over there the first one was was pretty good size um, and i was able to map out and draw and do a lot of it at home uh here in hamilton and then i had to travel over and uh, the, the hardest thing about that was my kids were at that young age it was early on when i first moved here so they had to be in daycare while i'm over there working there was the pressure to get done but the second one is very large it was uh 25 feet high by 100 feet wide Oof. and i believe it's i believe it's the biggest one in, in montana although nobody ever made a big statements like that but it, it's a patriotic one that's got the statue of liberty who's probably close to full size her face and flags and eagles and and you know real nice but um that was tricky just because of the size. I was working on scaffolding that was 25 feet in the air. And if you know cut bank at all, the wind blows there sometimes. <laughs> That's what I um, heard. Yeah, so certain times of the day. I, I worked a lot on that um, in the evenings by by light, sort of, just to get out of the heat. But, but yeah, some uh, you know, whenever you have something... Uh, you're, you know, you're working on and everybody's looking over your shoulder. There's there's also there's these times uh, as you're working when the piece really looks like crap in between stages. They're like, wow, what's that for? You know, you're not going to leave it like that, are you? <laughs> um, and then as soon as you go, you know, push it further, then they start. Oh, yeah, no way. That's way better. Uh, but there's certain stages where you sort of have to push through as, you know, people are staring at you. But uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know if that answers the question. But Well, what well, your your art invites um, not only people to to look at it, uh, to to analyze it, to to really get into it, because uh, especially the pieces with, uh, say, all the celebrities, so all the all the characters. Um what what are some of the uh, the w absolute worst comments you've heard as people are looking at? Because I know when you do art shows, you know people will file through and they're going to comment on your art, and sometimes you can hear them when they don't want you to hear them. Other times they'll just say it right to you. So uh, with those, uh, what have you kind of cringed at over the the years that were memorable to you? Well, I I did one a few years back. A couple of cowboys in an old Montana saloon and an old Montana poker machine kind of glowing in the background. 
had a Wayland poster on the wall, guy shooting pool. And then these two cowboys in the foreground are looking at the jukebox. They kind of have this firelight glow on them from the jukebox. And it's called Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. And one of the guys has the Lone Star belt buckle on and he's holding a, a Lone Star. You know, the other guy's holding a Budweiser. It's all about the song, you know, and, and a lot of stuff. I thought it was one of the coolest pieces I'd done, but I had a couple of guys come in, and uh, first word out of the guy's mouth is Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, you know. I, I never saw the show, but I'm pretty sure I know what it's about. It kind of broke my heart a little bit because I thought it was a really strong piece, and it just happened to sort of coincide at the same time and then i, I had another guy come in uh with the terrible tavern with all the, the bad guys in that and he stared at, at that piece for probably 10 minutes and he finally turned around and he said when the hell possessed you to do this like why would you do this i said well it's just you know kind of told him the story had to come out and and he says i i i hate it why would you i mean why would you even do this but then he turned back around and looked at it for 10 more minutes <laughs> So, I mean, I literally had this guy engaged for 20 minutes and he didn't even like it, you know. And so I just I thought that was very interesting that you could be involved enough to, you know, engage with something, even if you really didn't like it. Well, there's so um, many subtleties in those uh, those uh, those collaboration pieces or not collaborated, but those pictures with all the characters in them. There's there's a lot of subtleties you notice. I mean, you get you get the one you did of many of uh, the group of uh, Clint Eastwood characters and one's got a fistful of dollars and you've got uh, you've got subtleties right. in what's hanging behind behind the bar in some of the, t the the saloon ones and and it really does take a long time uh, i don't even know how long it would take to get it, catch them all because uh, you'd have, you'd be standing there a while so i think a lot of those subtleties invite that long long look at your art and i think that's something pretty cool yeah you know it it is something that i i have a lot of fun with that part i you know i already sort of know who's going to be in the picture a lot of times but who who they're next to a lot of times especially the ones with a lot of different characters to go and put people that are 30, 40, 50 years apart next to each other. But it turns out they're both sheriffs on TV or, you know, I put Leonardo DiCaprio next to Grizzly Adams because in the Revenant, he gets right. eaten by a grizzly. And even though they're both mountain men, you know, it, it's sort of just this inside joke in my head. Hopefully other people get some of that, but I, but I really enjoyed, you know, once I, once I get to that point where I start playing around and having a little fun with uh, in the terrible tavern, Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction, she's holding a beer bottle and it says extra hops. So it's, you know, a little inside joke. Right. She killed a rabbit. <laughs> rabbit, yeah. Um, you know, it's a terrible inside joke because I'm not always very nice. Oh, that's right up our alley, man. But, no, you're in our wheelhouse yeah. there. Yeah, that's awesome. No, and the the amazing thing is, is, Tim, as we're having this conversation, I've been, you know, scrolling through your website and stuff. And, and when uh, my wife and I bought our house in 17, of course, we're thinking, you know, we're out in the country. We got to have some things that are reflective of Montana. And I didn't even realize this if we were kind of online just nosing around at different things. One of my all-time favorite Montana pieces is yours, and I didn't even know that until just now. And it's the uh, the the old school Grizz, the the Grizzly oh, yeah. Bear painting with the the copper, the golds, and the gray. I mean, and again, this goes back to the depth of your portfolio, the fact that you've got sculptures of bronze, and then you've got murals and cut bank, and then this this uh, painting of this Grizzly Bear has been one that I pointed at. I'm like, if we ever find this, I need one of these because it that's just and for me that's a, you know. That, it's just an amazingly neat picture, um, but of a completely different style. Um, again, speaking to the fact that you're kind of out there in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different disciplines and a lot of different places. 
Yeah, you know, I, I've done a lot with the uh, Montana Grizzlies over the years, and, and that was one that I did. One of the posters for their wine tasting deal they do every fall. So cool. And I, I don't know. I think I did. I've done like 13 or 14 different posters over the years with them. Great folks, by the way, you know, go Grizz. But I, I've, I've known a lot of the people in the GSA and stuff for years, uh, going back all the way to when I taught in Cutbank. And so it, it's really fun for me to try to help out when I can. Alumni Association doesn't ask me for money. Someone else asks me to do artwork usually because they know I don't have any actual money. But it's something I really enjoy doing and and uh you know um i'm glad you like that piece yeah that's, that one's neat that's a good one i like it well uh if if uh you know i would encourage everybody to check out tim's stuff uh, you can find it uh you google tim joiner you're going to find all of his pages with all the stuff on it and we have only scratched the surface of this uh, tim does uh, chess sets tim does bottle openers tim does uh, hardware and 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 carpentry pieces it's amazing so much, stuff. so much stuff you said early on in this that uh, you don't sleep much and i can understand that completely but tim we really appreciate your time today i can't wait to see what you come up with next well i appreciate you guys having me hopefully i didn't get too uh, long-winded on some of my answers and stuff but, not at all um, man this is neat it's uh it's interesting to see how you're how you're wired for sure yeah well thank you and you know if you ever want more if anybody out there uh you know if, if they want to know more they knew need to talk to me in person it is me that answers the phone and me that takes your stuff to the mail and packs it <laughs> you know one man show over here I, I really appreciate it guys and that is it for us thanks again to tim joiner we got to get up out of here we'll be back next week remember to rate review and subscribe to this show wherever it is that you found it we appreciate all of the feedback reviews and stuff uh we will take all of it and we'll see you next week